Good morning, everyone. I, too, would like to welcome all our visitors and know that you are our honored guest. And you definitely encourage us, and we hope that we will encourage you as well. In life, it sometimes helps to have directions. I know that as men, we tend to assemble things without the directions, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it works better than the instructions, but usually it doesn't work that well. So. But in life, we have the perfect instructions, the word from God. And everything we attempt in life, if we follow this word, it'll be better. The title of today's sermon is Act Like Men. And I'm not talking about the worldly definition of that. Although God did give men more upper body strength, it comes in handy sometimes for protection or for lifting heavy things. But we're not going to be talking about that today. I like the title of the lesson or that comes from the English Standard Version. And 1 Corinthians 16, 13 reads like, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. So what I would like to do this morning is to focus on the idea of acting like men and answer questions such as, what is involved in showing oneself to be a man, especially a Christian man, and what does it mean to be a real man? I know today there's a different definition of that. I believe that all the answers to these questions can be found in the New Testament where the men of God are instructed on how to conduct themselves. So we're going to be looking at that today. Philippians 1.27 tells us, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So I want to do this in three phases. The first thing I want to look at is how single men should conduct themselves. Because all of us men start out that way. And it's good to get a good foundation. So the perfect instructions for this, as you know, the instruction given to Timothy. He was a single man, a single man of the day, you might say, in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 4.12 tells us, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So we learn from these words how a single man is to act. 
While it's true that Timothy was a minister, I believe the same principles apply to all Christians, to all Christian men. In fact, I'll even go so far as to say it applies to all Christians, women as well. Notice that all the things Timothy was to be an example in, first he was to be an example in his word or his speech. Very important. It's very important for men to watch what they say. There's always an open ear. Just waiting to hear you say something inappropriate, especially if you're a Christian. So it's so important for us to watch what we say. You're influencing others by your speech. You don't realize it. And you don't need vulgar speech to make your point. I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too, that the vulgar language only has two or three words. And I don't know how you can expect to communicate anything with two or three words. And they don't do a very good job of it, do they? Colossians 4, 6 tells us, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So, secondly here, Timothy was to be an example in his conduct or his behavior. And a man is to conduct himself in an honorable way, not some lewd manner. It isn't necessary. It accomplishes nothing. Sometimes you find men behaving in vulgar ways, but as a Christian, don't ever do that. It will get you nowhere. And you'll regret it. You should regret it as soon as those words come out of your mouth. Thirdly, Timothy was to be an example of love. If a man is full of love, he won't have any room for angry words or hate. So in order for a Christian man to conduct himself in a way that is pleasing to God, he must be full of love. Additionally, Timothy was to be a good example in his spirit, in his faith, and in his purity. Every man should live their life in such a way that others around can see the spirit of Christ in you. And certainly, you midshipmen, as you travel the world, you're ambassadors to Christ. And you want to live such a life. So a man needs to have faith in God. And a single man also needs to be careful about his thoughts. Because God knows your thoughts. So you need to have pure thoughts. Let's also see what Paul tells Titus to do. Likewise, in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. 
that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. That's very important. If you behave yourself correctly, no one will have anything bad to say about you. And that becomes very important depending on what your job is going to be. We see things in the political environment now coming out of the closet that are causing people a lot of problems. You don't want to have those things in your closet. Then you don't have to worry about it. So he gives similar instructions to Titus. But as you see, the whole idea behind this is that Christian men are to act in such a way that they'll be good examples to those around them. If you do that, you don't have anything to worry about. And one other thing about single men, the Bible also teaches us that there are advantages to being single. 1 Corinthians 7.32, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There are advantages. When you become married and have kids, your life becomes a little more complicated. You have to think about someone besides you and God. But nature is such that uh, most of us end up married, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And if we are to have people on earth, that has to happen. Even though today they're coming up with different ways of doing things. It's not working very well for them, though, is it? So that leads us into the next phase. How should a man act as a husband? I think Paul describes this best in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So we are to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. Think about how deep a love that really is. To put this into perspective, let's look at a few passages that show what Christ was willing to do for the church which is just another way of saying that he did this for us since we are the church. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, 
even the death of the cross. So that's how much Jesus loved us. He was willing to give up his home in heaven, to become a man and to live like one of us and be tempted like one of us, that he could fully know how to help us in time of need. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, through, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. <clears throat> so you see, Jesus was willing to give up all that he had so that he could be set free from our sin, so that we could be set free from our sin. He loved us so much that he was willing to face the torture of the cross for us. And of course, John says in Romans 5, verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But for God, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, <coughs> Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So because Jesus loved us so much he was willing to give his life for us, he purchased the church with his blood. That's how much he loved the church. And we as husbands are supposed to love our wives with the same type of love. So we should be willing to love our wives with every ounce of our being. That's what Christ did for us. First Corinthians 7, 3 tells us, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because you lack self-control. So this passage tells us that we have a responsibility for both men and women to give attention and affection to one another. And it points out that if we don't do this, there's a danger of temptation. Satan is always there. So we are also told not to provoke our children in such a way that will be causing them to be angry. I want to look now at how we should act as fathers. Ephesians 6.4 tells us, do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. 
So first, let's deal with the phrase, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, not all provoking is a bad thing, is it? Hebrews 10.24 tells us, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Now this, of course, applies to how we treat everyone. We're told that there is a positive way that we should treat fellow Christians. And we should not provoke or stir someone up in a negative way. Certainly, as Fathers, we are to provoke our children in such a way that will lead them to righteousness. However, Paul tells us not to provoke children in such a way that will make them angry or cause them to regret you being their parent. Um, I'm sure some of you have uh, experienced that, and probably some of us have even felt that growing up. But Paul tells us we're to train them up and to fully teach them about God's word. And I think this is where we fail sometimes. But it's the responsibility of Christian men. He should be the spiritual leader of the household and should take an active part in teaching the children. Teaching the children about the Lord. And a big part of that is bringing your children to Bible study. This is a way of properly teaching your children. We have classes here for all ages. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of students to fill those classes. I remember when we had a large number of young people here. We had classes for all ages, even on Wednesday night. And there were lots of students in those classes. We need to get back to that. If we hope to grow as a congregation, we've got to get our children here. So you need to bring your children. And I said bring your children. That means you need to be here too. Very important thing. And we know that this is not a new concept. God has always wanted fathers to be involved in the upbringing of the children. Let's go back to the time of Abraham. Genesis 18, 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. God placed a lot of importance on that. So you see, even back to the time of Abraham, God had a plan for fathers. It's so important that we train our children and that we discipline them as needed. And in so many families today, the father is missing. 
and you see what it's doing for our country, for our world. The events that are happening can be directly tied to fathers not being in some of those households. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Every Christian man needs to understand the importance of this. We all need to have the attitude that Joshua did. In Joshua 24, beginning in verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That includes raising your children in the Lord. One other area, as fathers, we have fathers as well. And we need to act like a son. Ephesians 6, 2, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And this is certainly an area that we as a congregation have good examples of. There are so many who have been taking care of their parents here. And you are certainly to be commended for that. And know that God is surely well pleased with you. As Christian men, we should never get to the point that we treat our parents badly instead of honoring them. And we certainly have biblical examples where this was a problem. The Jews were trying to neglect their parents, and Jesus made them understand very quickly what they were doing wrong. This is found in Mark 7, and this is a conversation when the Jews start complaining to Jesus about his disciples eating with unwashed hands. Notice his response. Mark 7 and verse 6. He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things. He said to them, All too well... You reject the commandments of God that you may honor your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. He thinks pretty strongly of that. But you say, if a man says to a father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect. Though your traditions which you have handed down, through your traditions, 
which you have handed down, and many things that you do. So these men were neglecting their responsibilities to care for their parents in their old age. And Jesus tells them it's wrong. And he tells them in a strong way. 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So God takes this seriously. You're to care for your own. And remember when Jesus was on the cross, how he cared for his own. When Jesus, in John 19, 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he believed, whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his home. So John would be taking care of his mother, let us never neglect the responsibility to care for our own, especially our parents. So finally, let's look at just a few things that are involved in acting like a man who's a servant of God. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, beginning of verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to eternal life. To which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Christ appearing. So this is a great commandment that, or a great summary that all Christians should follow. In a nutshell, Paul is teaching us to flee from evil and worldly things, but pursue those things that will lead to eternal life. See, a man of God will make every effort to act like a child of God. And another thing a man of God needs to do is work for the Lord. Any opportunity he has. And we have all kinds of work. If you'll just let it be known what you would like to do, we'll certainly find a job for you. And this is a good example for your children, too. When they see you working for the church, they're going to want to follow suit. So from this book, there are probably many other examples that I can use of how you should behave as a child of God. But we don't have time for that. And you know what they are. 
you certainly in this audience have studied this word. And we're told that if you fail to act like a man of God, you're worse than an unbeliever. And you all are believers. So we know that we have a great responsibility. We're serving God. We're the examples for the future generations. We're trying to grow this church. We don't have a preacher now, but we're heading that way. And thanks to all the visitors we've had lately, and a lot of our visitors have decided to stay with us, and we certainly appreciate that. And you're doing good works, and we want this to continue. So we pray that God will continue to be with us and to help us grow. So the lesson today is yours. And whether you're male or female, now I don't want the females acting like men. That's not my point. But whether you're male or female, you want to please God and to be with him in heaven someday. So in order to do this, you know you have to become a Christian. You've got to hear the word, repent, confess, and be baptized to begin your walk with Christ. And per perhaps you are a Christian and you're struggling and you need the prayers of the church. Whatever your need, now is the time to make your needs known to the church. Your family loves you. And they want to help you with your journey through life. And they want to see you in heaven someday. So let us know if we can help in any way as we stand and sing the invitation song. <laughs>